Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Oh, rough week, huh? <laughs> Coming off the hills of that. That one. Game last week, of course, still. Still rings hollow. Still hollow throughout the week. But get this in here and see where your guys' mindset is. I mean, reading reading social media and Twitter and message boards and stuff, you can, you know, it's not hard to figure out, but get you guys in here. What you want to see this week versus Vanderbilt? Any big picture questions or outlook? Get those in there as well. No, hard, very hard to get up for for, for, for this game. But one thing I can fall back on: just remember that you know, these are the twelve, thirteen, fourteen weeks we all look so much forward to. So. Could be worse, could be worse, but you know, go take advantage of a Saturday in Gainesville noon kicker. I know kind of stinks, but uh, only so many opportunities that uh, we get to watch this team watch football. So, hopefully, hopefully, a lot of cheering versus Vanderbilt tomorrow, of course. Uh, you know, I know it's hard to get up for, for, for this one coming off of last week. Uh, this is hopefully the get right game um i hate to say it you know the focus doesn't have to be there 100 or it shouldn't have to be there 100 but this is a that and emory jones said it right this week uh dan mullen he said dan mullen goes turn 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 the frustration into motivation that's exactly what this week is uh go go let out the frustration versus vanderbilt this week That's that's what you want to see you know um even if the mental side of it is not all the way there, you should you should honestly right now. I mean, look to me, this is how I'd approach it anyway, and I know sometimes it's just hard. But right now, at least right now, but it should always be this weekend and week out. You you want to go be better than the man in front of you, and right now this is a chance to let that frustration out. You know, go go take it out on that. Uh, you know, we hear all the time of fall camp and. Fall preseason camp, you know, we're tired of hitting each other. We want to go hit the other team. Doesn't matter who it is. Well, okay, well, then you, you have another chance to show that uh, and go let some frustration out of last week out. So uh, there's something you can take away from it. Look, the only thing you're going to take out of this is, you know, if it's good, it was okay. Well, that's what was supposed to happen. At least the team is focused enough to go out there and take care of business versus Vanderbilt. You're going to take a whole lot more out of it if it's bad. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, of course, you know, Vanderbilt's a it is a pretty terrible team. You should you. You can play down and, and still beat this team by 30 uh, if, you know, at least you're focused enough. I guess that's where I'll put it. If you're focused enough, but uh, should be able to, should be able to go out there and take care of business. Uh, we'll see how Florida, deep Florida goes into the, the, the roster there versus Vanderbilt. But uh, that'd be a lot of it here. But let's get uh, first guest in here, Zach Powers. Remember, guys, you're are being recorded for this as a I'll post it later. But Zach, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? I I have uh, two things I'd love to yeah. hear you comment on. Um one, I wanna say I'm losing you, Zach. Uh, I uh, don't hear you. I may have to reconnect or something. Last thing I heard you say was you had two things. There you are. All right, you can hear me? Yep, I got you. 
Okay, gotcha. Uh, so the first thing is, I don't, I understand, you know, we lost, you know, playoffs hopes are kind of trashed, but I, I still feel like on, a, especially Gators Twitter, there's just so much, you know, f- the season's over, there's no point in watching the games. I may be in a minority here, but I'm still super interested in see. Like, I, I obviously want to beat the hell out of Georgia mm-hmm. and everybody else we play, and I feel like that's a, I don't know, it's, it seems like a minority here on Twitter, but it definitely uh, rings true for me that I, I'm still incredibly involved in the season. Yeah, I think mean, that goes to my point earlier. Like, you know, this this is the time of year we wait for. So I, you don't want to throw it away yeah. in, in, in early October. I mean, uh, a lot of us are still going to – no matter how you feel, a lot of people are still going to watch the games uh, and, and see how they yeah. turn out. But as you said, you know, uh, you know don't go into – don't go into Georgia week or LSU Georgia week. Uh, woe is me. You know, still you you don't know what happened. So go out there. Like I said, you know, the week of Bama. You know, a lot of people were expecting you know to go get bashed by Bama, and that didn't happen. You know, go go have fun with it during the week. You don't know what happened. You don't want to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have, you know, rep, rep myself up a little bit more, or you know, help rep the team up team up a little bit more. You know, it's good. so look, go be a fan. That that's yeah, as you're saying, that's. That, that that can still happen. Go go be a fan, but a lot of it, as far as you know, looking big picture, whatever it's whatever your expectation was coming into the season. Now most people expected a down year from Florida, uh, but that can be fluid. You know, everybody's willing. Everybody has the ability to change their mind. Everybody should say, "Well, you said this, and it didn't happen." You know, no, no, everybody can change their mind. You can go along with the flow. Uh, and you, you had the two-point loss versus Bama. Everything was looking good. Uh, and no matter what you thought about Florida, whether it was eleven you know, undefeated, eleven and one, ten and two, nine and three, or you know who you had Florida losing to, you know. But part of it goes into you can change your mind. You know, Florida played Alabama very well. If you wanted to heighten your expectations after that, by all means, go do it because you know that's what you should have been actually doing. Uh, and, but then you know you go, and a couple weeks later, you get the performance versus Kentucky. And look, a lot of people, it's not that you lost to Kentucky for some people. A lot of people pick that game. A lot of people pick that, oh, Florida's going to lose that game. They probably shouldn't lose. But a lot of it also goes to how did it happen. And I don't think anybody was picking it to look like it did in that fashion, you know, to look like you weren't prepared, look like you weren't ready to play, uh, and the false starts and the, the preparation and, you know, basically outplaying Kentucky in a lot of ways and still coming out on the losing side of that game. So a lot of it is – just how things look, how things happen, but you're still a Gator. You're still a fan, you know, and you got to, you'll get, yeah, you'll, absolutely. Get, you'll get right tomorrow versus Vanderbilt and, you know, go, go, go into LSU week like it was just, just the, the, the same game of the, the same game it usually is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also have the, the second thing I have is I've been watching, um, I've been watching Gator football for a while now. And it, it, it seems like to me that ever since the championships, whenever we have this tremendous amount of hype, Coming in, you know, we're ranked top five, top ten. It always seems to me that we kind of, um, you know, we we play games, we stay, you know, ranked up high like we were just ranked in the preseason, and then we just miraculously lose a game we should have lose. And I was wondering if you've seen any similarities to previous years that you're kind of seeing now. Uh, last year was weird uh, with you, you had the A&M loss. And look, that was a game – and honestly, a lot of ways, like the Kentucky game, in some ways that you know, you felt like you outplayed the opponent, but still came out and losing game of the game. Um, there's mm-hmm. one similarity, and but look, also kind of comparing it to the LSU game of uh, you just did not yeah. look prepared, uh, and it, it came back to bite you. You 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 stayed in the game, you you, you called yeah. your way and, and stayed it to the very end, but you just didn't come out. Uh, with it, I guess the, as far as Mullen goes, you kind of maybe go back to 2018 as well, uh, and Missouri game, and that's where a lot of people point to the fire of the team and, you know, and the fire of the head coach is still there. Um, hard to compare it to previous years right now. Uh, I want to see how Florida bounces back uh, and how they play in the bigger games that's on the schedule. You know, now, you could say, do they pack it in? And I guess you could kind of point to, well, you played Alabama tough. Maybe you should go out there and be able to play Georgia tough as well. I mean, Georgia's a good football team, and they have the capability. And you know, if Florida can prepare right, Florida can look good going into the game, and Georgia is that type of team right now that could still make it look ugly. Uh, so I don't want to sit here and say that uh, if it looks very ugly versus Georgia in a couple of weeks too, that, uh, you know, just – 
this team is just uh, giving up on the the, the, the the fire and the passion of the season. Georgia just may be that good. Uh, and But I do think you expect to see Florida come out and at least uh, – it's a bigger game. May, may, maybe there's a comparison right there. We've seen Florida for – we've seen Florida come out and play Georgia tough, even when we didn't think they were the better team in 2018 and 2019. You could tell they were fighting, fighting in that game. The last couple games against Bama, yeah, you're outmatched, but you go out there and you show – the, the passion and, 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 the, and the will to stay in those games and, and keep them close. Uh, so maybe the comparison will be, all right, well, you know Florida can play these better teams tough. And now you have to go out there and show it. You know, you play Georgia tough, you play Alabama tough. You got another opportunity to go do it uh, in, in a couple of weeks in Jacksonville. So go get right versus Vanderbilt. Go get right versus LSU. And go put something together versus Georgia uh, to where – Maybe it's not even questioned if uh, what uh, uh, how this team is approaching the rest of the season. No, no. thanks, Zach. What, John? Good morning. Hey, man. How you doing? Good. How are you? All right. So, taking in, it's been almost a week now. I'm still pretty pissed off about this loss. Um, but my question to you is, even if we went out and we beat Georgia pretty handedly, Kentucky loses to Georgia, is there still a chance that we could still sneak in to the SEC championship? Two scenarios there. Florida, of course, is going to have to win out. Uh, so that means you're going to have to beat Georgia. Georgia is going to have to lose somewhere else along the way to give them two losses. And then Kentucky will have to have two losses as well. And maybe your three-way tie. And then I think that goes to the highest-ranked team in the college football playoff. If that's, I think that's the tiebreaker. I could be wrong on that. Um or there's some kind of tiebreaker where all teams would be with two losses. So there's one, there's one route. You have a three-way tie with two losses. Um, because, you know, Florida would be Georgia. Georgia would probably have to beat Kentucky in that regard. And then Kentucky had already beaten Florida. So there's a, if I'm thinking about it right, your three-way tie with two, two losses per, per team. Or two losses for Georgia. You have to have the head-to-head against them, and Kentucky has to lose three games because they don't have the head-to-head on you, and you have two conference losses. So they'll have to have one more loss because they own the head-to-head victory over you. So that's the the two scenarios there. Um, Whichever – I don't know which one more people see likely, if if at all. I mean, Georgia-Kentucky, you know, there you go. One of those are going to lose to each other, uh, which more than likely you'll need Georgia to beat Kentucky in that regard. Uh, Kentucky has LSU this week. Uh, we'll see. That's like I, I said in the preview, uh, the Vanderbilt preview this week. You probably need it to happen this week. You need Georgia's first loss to come versus Auburn, and then you beat Georgia in a couple of weeks. And you need Kentucky to lose to LSU to right now put some pressure on those teams. Uh, Kentucky beats LSU. There's not many more chances for them to get three losses and uh, three conference losses in this season. So, I think to make you feel better about any chance Florida has. It's going to have to happen this weekend. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was going over. Like, is there still a scenario where we win out and all the cards fall right where we even make a chance at the SEC? Because if we beat Georgia and things go our way, that'll propel us back into the top five, top ten possibly. Yeah, so this is a, if we win out, like – like that's what kind of one the one thing I was looking at. Like, is is there still a chance that we can make the SEC championship, get our rematch with Bama, and then even with the two losses, still make have a chance for a four, even if it's a fourth seed. Uh, I, I would think so. You know, of course, a lot of things have to happen. Uh, this is a crazy football season so far already, but just just for just for giggles, if, if Florida's. If Florida ends the season with two losses, they're in the playoff. I, I say if you're an SEC champion with two losses right now, I still think you scoot into the playoffs. So, um, now a lot has to happen. Uh, you have to have some teams help you out. This is crazy football season already. Uh, but I, I do think that is the possibility. So, there's like a, there, there is 
2020 for this team to play for, no matter how unlikely that scenario plays out right now. You just – you don't know. Uh, so, you go take your chances and, and, and go win out. Look, you want to win out anyway. I mean, no matter if it – even if you fall short of – I mean – If you fall – if you end up 10-2, and two, you look, you'll be – Lost in in hindsight, just because more than likely it kept you from bigger things, of course. Uh, but you know, there's still some you know, go beat LSU. Go beat there's Georgia, still yeah, there's still FSU. there's still plenty of reason because even if we don't have things fall our way, we can still play. We can still split, play spoiler yeah. and ruin everybody else's chances. So I mean, there's still plenty to play for. But like I was saying, like I'm trying to look at it, and I'm a it, stats it, person. Yeah. I'm a stats oh. person, so like I'm trying Unlikely. to find yeah. every way to. Possibly, un- unlikely as it is, there's there's still that that sliver of uh, a possibility out there. Yeah. So basically, what do you see for the rest of the season? I mean, at this point, you lost to Kentucky. Your playoff chances are practically zero point one percent. So, I mean, is is Mullen going to stick with Emory Jones the rest of the season? I mean, or is he going to just say? Trying to do like he did in our off year with Tebow and his backup, like try and split it, get see what we got for next year, and you know try to see what we can really expect out of Anthony Richardson. I, I do expect Anthony's role to increase. Uh, like I think it should increase anyway. No matter you beat Kentucky last week, I still think we need to see more. Um, I, I don't know how to read Mullen on this one. Um, asking around, he there really is a belief that you know Anthony doesn't know the playbook, so he's going to be limited in that regard, and Mullen's not going to throw him out there. And with Mullen's history, and he's been lauded for it at times too, is not putting quarterbacks out there before they're ready and getting their confidence down. But to me, the offense is limited in some ways with Embry Jones as well. Even him knowing the playbook, even him knowing the plays, there's a physical – on the field limitation to how he's playing as far as downfield passing, making reads on time and all that. So, you know, so right now there's limitations either way you look, whether it be physical limitations and now Anthony turning around for him, uh, you know, playbook being limited uh, li- limitations for him. So uh, I think you play both. I think you play both a lot. I think you get some kind of rotation in there. Maybe that, maybe that messes them up. I don't know. Um, I still think at some point in the season, will will we see Anthony make a start? If you, you hold my hold my face to the coals and make me answer, I'll say yes with a slight favoritism towards yes, but I, that's just be pure guessing. I I really don't know. Uh, I, I I'd like to see it, or at least in a very very extended look at Anthony Richardson to see how he reacts. You know, giving three, four drives in a row. Maybe we see that tomorrow versus Vanderbilt. And I don't think that's any inclination of how the rest of the season will play out because it's Vanderbilt. You should get up point. You should put up some points. You should be able to get some backups in. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a all right. Look, he's getting the whole second it, it, according to what the score is. Uh, you know, Florida's up by three, four touchdowns in the second half, and then Anthony Richardson comes in. I don't think that's necessarily an inclination that, all right, Dan Mullen, trust him a little bit more. I think it's all right. Well, I'm going to get my starter out and get my backup some reps. I don't think that necessarily means that I'm going to get Anthony Richardson some reps in important times in the game. That's what we want to see. And we won't get that answer until LSU in a couple of weeks. Um, of course, like I said, scoring had the Vanderbilt game plays out. But if it plays out like we think it will – and Richardson's getting a whole lot of snaps in the second half, that might just be because, all right, I'm getting my starter out. Uh, so we won't really get our full Anthony Richardson answer, I don't believe, until LSU in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, I still believe, like, if Mullen would have put him in versus Alabama here a little bit, like, he should have played him a li- just a little bit, even if it was like last week, just a little here and there. Think it would have made a difference if he would have played him a little bit more in certain areas and not dick around in the first half. He should have called the timeouts. He should have went down the field. And I've seen something somewhere that's saying that he got pretty much ass hurt that something didn't go his way, so therefore he's going to let the clock run out. It's like no, you put your foot on their throats. You don't take it off. 
that's like the number one rule in football. Almost all coaches, you don't. And that's the difference. You don't see Nick Saban doing that. He's going to keep beating the shit out of you and send all his players out. That's just that's why Alabama is so dominant. They don't take their foot off the brake, off of their throats. And something needs to change in Gainesville because that mentality needs to get some. Somebody needs to do it. I don't know <laughs> if it's what's Mullen's problem with it, like why he want to be way too conservative. Like you know, is Grantham's got his issues. He should have been fired last year, but. When you come to think about it, if we had last year's offense and this year's de- defense, there's no way we wouldn't have went undefeated. And I, I think it's really more of an offensive thing this year. Now, I know we lost a lot of players to the draft and stuff, but I don't know. It's We've seen worse. <laughs> I get it, man. It's frustrating. Yeah, a lot of that stuff we, we, we spoke on all week long. So, hopefully – Hopefully something changes in the, in that regard of you know how, how to attack games and, and the mindset there. All right, John. Thanks, man. Mm. All right, Crunch Time. What you got, man? Good morning, Dave. How's everybody doing this morning? Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, here here's a question for for all the Gator fans because I I, I love listening in on, on these calls. If I could give you a scenario where you basically go to Baton Rouge and end Ed Orgeron's coaching career at, at LSU, you upset Georgia. Now, you, you don't go to the SEC championship game, but you upset Georgia, basically forcing them to have to beat Alabama to get into the college football playoffs. You go destroy Florida State, which I know that's still a big thing for Gator fans. And you see Anthony Richardson start basically the last four games, and I'm talking South Carolina, Sanford, Missouri, Florida State, and just tell him, look, you got the ball. You're not coming out the game. No, unless you're injured, you're the quarterback the last four games. How do Florida fans feel about that scenario? Uh, Crunch, I got to bring something to you Okay, but how do you beat Georgia? If Emory's the quarterback and you beat Georgia – then you really probably not. Then you probably not shifting quarterback. You still make the move. You still make the move because there's no way Mullen does it though. I, no, I, I'm I, no, I, I agree no, with you. If, if you go beat Georgia and Emory Jones is starting quarterback, then there's no way Mullen's going to switch starting quarterbacks. Okay, so uh, okay, so let's let's re- refocus it. Emory start. Emory starts gets pulled. Okay. Ar ar. This is that game, kind of like what we saw with Bo Nix yeah, yeah, in that yep. crazy, crazy yeah. win over LSU last a um, yeah, couple yeah. of weeks okay. ago. And that's an area. And then, and that, yeah, and then starts the last four games. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, and, and, I, and I said before the season started, you want to, you know, I, w- I want to feel good about next year. No, no matter how it plays right. out, you know, you could be in Atlanta, you could not be in Atlanta. You know, I want to feel good, really good about going into next year. Uh, with this team, and I think uh, if the season plays out like that, then absolutely, I think yeah, I think Gator fans will sign up for that right now. If you gave them a choice, uh, of, mm-hmm. all right, just take it however it may play out, or sign on the dotted line right here. You beat Georgia, Anthony Richardson comes in, saves the day, starts the last four games of the season. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people would take that right now. All right, and, and moving forward, uh, that would I think make the fan base feel a, a little better if you could give them that scenario and, and they take it and run with it. Um, and yeah, you they, a lot of the fan base just wants to. Some of the fan base just wants to see Anthony Richardson just to see what they have, uh, right? And, 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 and that's and, why and I just, gave that scenario. Yeah, and and more of it. If he if he's not ready, then okay. Well, at least we know. But you know, now if he does come out and he's ready and he's lighting the world on fire like we have seen at times this year, then it's going to be like, all right, why'd you wait so long? <laughs> that's right. The, that and that. I hope that's not playing into the decision of not playing. Uh, that's, you know, if so, that's you know another question that needs to be raised. Uh, mm-hmm. And look, I understand Emory's been in the program. You want to, you you know, you don't want to give up on him after five games. Uh, I, I I understand that way of it as well. But your job is to win games. And if you go out there and Anthony Richardson starts playing a lot more, and the offense takes off, and it looks like it's hard to stop, then the question is going to be out there, then okay, then why'd you wait so long? Uh, and so I hope that's not playing into the decision making here. I, 
I don't think it is, or at least if it is, Mullins. You're hoping wrong. it's not. Yeah, right. It's just that he's wrong. He's not re- he's not reading it right. If that's the case, and you know, he could be truthful in thinking Anthony's not ready, and you can't blame him for that. But if it goes out there and happens, it's like, well, all right, it was just you, you were just wrong, uh, and Anthony should have been playing. Uh, but you know, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, and I, like I, said, I, I do expect Richardson to get some more playing time, and we'll see mm-hmm. where he goes from there. And maybe you know we get our answer if he's ready or not, and if he's ready to to take this team. But a lot of it is, like you said too, and getting ready for next year to make sure he's ready for next year. If you if exactly you think he, if you think he's the guy, so you put him out there, and maybe it's not the FAU and USF performance. There's more film on him out there now. He did some good things last week versus Kentucky. I think we wanted to see mm-hmm. a little bit more. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, you go out there and even if he's not starting, I, I, you have to play him a whole lot more. You have to let right. him, uh, go out there and, and put some drives together, get, get, get into the flow of the game. Let, let, let him have the opportunity to get to the flow of the game. Exactly. And, and the reason I, I, I gave that scenario, because this is the exact same scenario I gave Alabama fans a couple of years ago when they were getting ready to play Auburn. And I said, losing the iron bowl means nothing if you get Matt Jones ready for the next season. Yeah. Dan needs to find out, okay, going into spring practice, when you really start building uh, for next season, you need to have this quarterback situation settled. You need to have a clear who's my number one and who's my number two. And if that means one guy transfers, so be it. But you can't have this, we're going to play Emory two series, then we're going to play AR one series. We're going to – you need to settle this for the locker room. Not so much playing to the fan base, but just saying, okay, against some better competition, albeit South Carolina and Missouri aren't, aren't the greatest competition, but at least they're SEC caliber yeah. teams. Yeah. And you can say, okay, guys, now we we have film on both of our quarterbacks and we can make a better decision. Yeah. Uh, un- unlikely is the scenario Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson are both on the roster next year. So, I don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I don't see it. So, um, yeah, you're, you're right. So, uh, and look, you, you got two quarterbacks right now in Del Rio and Kittner. You'll be having Evers on the on the roster too. So, if, mm-hmm. you know, if <laughs> Emory transfers, you still not experienced depth, but, you you know, you, you, you'll have some depth back there. So, it's like, you, like you'd be short of quarterbacks. Right. And, look, and, that might, fans. and that might even be too many quarterbacks, honestly. So, you know, Mullen's got to look ahead yep. and say, okay, right, look, I, I don't need five quarterbacks on the roster. Kind of what we're seeing at Ohio State, where you got all of these quarterbacks, and you're going to lose at least two of them. So, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this game. I'll, I'll actually be able to possibly even see the game here um, with Florida, so I can kind of get get some some firsthand eyes on this Florida roster. But Gator fans, if you can get the win against LSU, and who knows, this, this Georgia defense is great, but that that Georgia offense is still beatable. That that defense that you have there in Florida is good enough to shut down this uh, Georgia offense. So, don't don't write off the season just yet. All right, thanks, Chris. Time, man. Bringing MJ in here. What's up, Dave? Hey, man, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Looking forward to this game this weekend. Might um, come by that tailgate, so see what you're up to. Um, yeah, yeah. I. Yeah. So, I mean, granted, everyone's in shambles are trying to get motivated for the rest of the season. Just kind of looking, taking a step back, thousand foot view, last couple coaches we've had. I don't see how people can be so quick to lose their, I guess, focus on that. Because it's yeah. just, I feel, Mac recruited heavily offense, boom was heavily defense, and there were these just errant gaps in between positions and depth. Bowling comes in make something out of nothing, and then he just – he's this – I think he rose too quickly. I think that was kind of like a handicap for him, not to say that's a bad thing. But, you know, he was Mississippi State. Mississippi State got plucked of coaches. You know, we did it with Jeff Collins and so on. And I think this is Mullen's first time experiencing having to deal with the kind of pressure with attrition and looking at his staff. So, in his head coaching career, I almost kind of feel like he's learning for the first time what it might take to make those decisions. And that's probably why maybe he's taking so long. I mean, could that be an indicator? Yeah, you know, that, that's a good point. Um, the only thing I'll go back on that because I, I and this is maybe a separate thought, kind of in a way, but but connected. 
you know, you said he rose too fast at Florida. Maybe the, the success t- came too fast. But there was also a chance to build on that with Miami and FSU being down. And, you know, and I'm talking mostly in the world of recruiting. You know, you should be able to take more advantage. So maybe this didn't happen. Uh, so there's a connection there. But this is the way it played out. And like you're saying, going to this point, then, yeah, I mean, this is – Florida and Mississippi State are different. Now, could there have been similar scenarios? Absolutely. But outside – and the pr- the pressure outside from the fan base. Look, yeah, he, he's not he's not dealt with this. Uh, uh, even even if he dealt with it at Mississippi State, the pressure is different. The the level is different. Uh, so we 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 know the expectations here at Florida. So and I, I think what you're bringing up is is a valid um, valid event that's happening right here and how he reacts to it. Uh, and this may be the, fir- the first chance. Now, don't get me wrong. I know you can go ask some Mississippi State fans, and you can even go find articles out there about Mississippi State, and, all right, it's time to move on from John Hibbensey. All right, it's time to move on from this assistant. So a lot of, a lot of things Florida fans have said has been repeated by Mississippi State earlier uh, in, in earlier years as well. Uh, but, you know, he could get by with it there. Uh, and th- th- there would be questions, uh, but wouldn't necessarily – hear it as much or hear it as loud. Uh, and look, and, and, and Mullins, he's getting it from everywhere. He's getting it in press conferences. He's getting on Paul Feinbaum's show. You know, is you know what is he doing? Uh, what was, does he care anymore? You know, I know uh, uh, Josh Pate for uh, you know, his show on 24-7, uh, he brought up a good point in talking about Dan Mullen this week and how he thinks, you know, look, Dan Mullen had one foot out the door last year. He wanted an NFL job, didn't get it. So now he's kind of got to check himself back in uh, to be the head coach at Florida this year because maybe he was expecting to get that NFL offer last year. So not necessarily saying the focus isn't there, but you know maybe kind of having to come back into it. And so th- those questions are there right now. You know those questions weren't really the only question on a similar level that Dan Mullen had at Mississippi State was, all right, is he going to Michigan? Is he going to Miami? Uh, you know maybe one foot out the door looking for the bigger job, but he was still able to coach his team still able to have some success at the same time. So going to your point, though, a lot of uh, – maybe he's a little slow because this is the first time he's dealt with this pressure, first time he's uh, – and definitely at Florida dealt with it because you you had those success. You had that success in, in the first couple of years. Uh, people were kind of overlooking um, the coaching deficiencies a little bit. But now in the last end of 2020, the beginning of 2021, all that stuff's ramping back up why you still have a season to play. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying my best to keep grounded. Um, it's been tough because i got to try to look at, like, all these things and these pie-in-the-sky names potential. It's just hard to wrap my brain around having, like, a Lane Kiffin come in or I guess who was another name that got mentioned to kind of replace Mullen, forget who, but – Or you even had Hugh Freeze. Chris, Chris, Cristobal. And, you know, yeah, Cristobal, yeah. Hugh Freeze. I mean, but it's just – I don't know. Like, I have less trust in them to stay at Florida than I do Dan Mullen. I remember when he came out his first game, like, the dude just lit up. Like, to me, he, like, wanted to be here. So, I was always going to give him five years. So, I'm hoping, you know, next year, like, tells the whole story and we make those changes necessarily. But I don't know. I just – I say people are being unreasonable, but looking at what we've done in the past, it's almost hard to hang the man after a bad loss to Kentucky. I know he's done it twice. Um People, people screw up in their coaching career, and it's hard to shift gears and stuff. But I don't know. It's I'm not being fair weather. I'm not going to look at this as like an end-all. I just look at, look, he screwed up. Hopefully he knows that, and then he moves on and builds on it. So if he runs Vanderbilt to the ground and closes strong, I think that should be a convincing argument to tell people, like, look, he, he recognized what he did against Kentucky was not perfect, and that's it. Like, we go into the offseason with momentum. We'll get geared up for 2022. Yeah, like, like I said, a lot of people report to 2022 anyway, so that's kind of where I was at with 2021. You go take your chances. Go fight for Atlanta. If you end up in Atlanta, by all means, go for it. But, you know, I, I wanted to end 2021 feeling good about next year, and there's still there's still that possibility there. Oh, yeah. And plus, college football is weird. Who knows what ends up happening yeah. and when we get back and to Atlanta. Year, we almost... this year, right. This year's weird, been weird already. So, uh-huh. that's, you know, go, go take care of your business, and whatever happens, happens. Agreed. All right. Thanks for the opportunity, Dave. I'll sure I'll see you this weekend. All right, man. Sounds good. Swag, I think you're in here. Hey, Dave. Hey, man. 
thanks for all you're doing for Gator Nation and, uh, you know, in these troubling times. Um, <laughs> um, lots been made of Mullins, uh, you know, being conservative, um, uh-huh. you know, especially with the program and, and things around, you know, Grantham and Trask and, and those types of things. But it seems like when just thinking and just looking at play calling – that he's he hasn't really been conservative. He tends to go forward on fourth down a lot. He tends to press the ball um, before halves. Um, but he didn't do that obviously against Kentucky. Um, and so, two questions. One, I think it it points to a lack of trust, right, in in Emory. Uh-huh. But but do you agree with that? Number one. Number two. But maybe he saw something in the scheme. Um, with Kentucky and just the game plan and 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 that's really what resulted in the conservative nature but the real question is is if we move to AR and there's a lack of trust in Emory and you put somebody in there that's even uh, got less experience does he even become more conservative from a play calling perspective uh, again I think if you look back at am I, am I misguided in, in thinking not from a program perspective but from a play calling perspective am I misguided in thinking that He's really not conservative from a play calling perspective, even though he was against Kentucky. And, you know, do you think he becomes more conservative if, if AR gets in there? Thanks, Dave. Yeah, well, and I said it this week. I do think it's a thin line in saying Dan Mullen's conservative and looking at what Florida's been successful with this year. I mean, you've been able to run the ball. So if you want to run the ball, that's going to come across as conservative. But you've had a lot of success there. So there's a, there's a thin line there in saying – I'm going to rely on my offensive line. I'm going to rely on this running game because that's what brought me to the dance right, right, right now. So that, it, it's going to look conservative at times, but that's what you've had success with. So there, there, there's there's part of it, I think. Now, as far as quarterback play goes and, and, and trust there, I do think in the Kentucky game, I think it was a combo. I'm not going to throw it all on Emory. Do I think there's somewhat of a lack of trust there? I do. Uh, but there are play calls there that need to be hit. There are plays down the field. All right, I'm calling this play. If you can get off your first read or if you can get off the throw you feel comfortable with, there is a guy open. But you're going to have to you're, you're going to have to release it. You're going to have to release it on time. You're going to have to make the right read. That's still Emory Jones' next step of progression. Do we get there? I don't know. Uh, but also, I think in the Kentucky game, just lining it up, I do think it was a combo right at the end of the first half. I think it was a combo of limit, limited trust in Emory, but also limited trust in that offensive line. I mean, he knew they weren't communicating very well. You were deep in your own territory. You don't want to give up a sack. You don't want your quarterback to get hit, fumble, Kentucky's in, great field position right before halftime. I get that. I would have would I have been aggressive? Yes. Dan Mullen has shown that aggression before. I do get why he didn't. I just I just disagree with it. Uh so I, I think that's for me the best way to put it. Uh, as a head coach, uh, as him looking at everything, I, I don't necessarily want my quarterback to turn it over right here. I don't trust the offensive line. They can't communicate. If they miss this communication, Emory Jones gets hit in the back. There's a fumble. Kentucky gets an easy score. Uh, and, okay, you, 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 you're, you're in trouble going into halftime. So, uh, but also at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, it, it, you can sit here and say you trust your defense because your defense has been playing pretty good. Uh, and go, go be a little more aggressive. And, you know, I, a lot of the fan base now in hindsight, I know it's different, would have said, okay, uh, I would have taken being aggressive there. If anybody does the interception, he just does the interception. Well, okay, you say that now. You're fine with that now because you know how the game played out. But live and in action, you'd have been like, oh, God, why did he do that? You know, we knew we were going to throw the interception there. So <laughs> you look at it both ways, and you – you can't win either way. Uh, so uh, I get that uh, perspective. But you're right. It goes against a lot of what we've seen from Mullen beforehand, whether it be the first drive of the game, you got fourth and two, you set a four punt instead of going for it, or right before halftime, or the last couple drives of the game where you're in scoring position. Uh, I mean, the easy thing would have been, all right, uh, we have after the face mask, you're in great field position, in hindsight, I could say, all right, go throw Anthony Richardson there, run the ball four straight times, see see what happens, see if you get in the end zone. <laughs> you know, we we know the ability uh, that he's shown there, but a lot of that time side. But also in hindsight, we can say, well, Dan Mullen, you've been aggressive in these situations, and you weren't here. So I, I hate to take the easy way out. I, I, you see both sides of it. You see both sides of it from a coach's perspective, but it, it, it's hard because it, all right, Mullen, you've shown it before, but also. 
you see the flow of the game. There are some questions of where this offense was right before halftime, where the offensive line was before halftime, and you can see why he was aggressive, but I still think you can disagree with it. And and do you think if AR gets in there that he's going to need to rely even more on the right. run and even yes. be more conservative despite what, what uh, you know, us – uh, armchair coaches think. I mean, I, I do because of what he can also bring uh, to, into the run game and the explosive runs. I talked about the home run run. Well, he, he can bring that, so you, you, y'all, y'all might rely. And, and look, go back to the Tebow days, and he relied a lot on the quarterback run. A lot of people said that was too conservative that time with Dan Mullen was the offensive coordinator, but it worked. Uh, but if you go to, to, to 2008, and a lot of people – go back to the old Miss game that you lost and maybe too conservative there. Well, Florida turned the ball over like crazy versus Ole Miss. You don't turn the ball over. You, you win that game. Uh, speaking of uh, a game you should win, <laughs> but, but you lose. But, um, yeah, I, I remember the, the – the, the, I believe – I don't know if it came out from Mullen or not. Maybe – I know it was around with Adazio, but you had uh, the, the, the joke of spinning a wheel and – you know, the quarterback dive would come up a whole lot, and that's what you ran over and over again. So, uh, but that was there, uh, and, and it worked, uh, and maybe sometimes was labeled as conservative. So you're right. If you do bring in AR, does it look conservative because you have a quarterback that can run? You have a quarterback that can run quarterback power and you know, get you uh, a couple of few yards uh, when you need it. But we have seen when he is in this year, the, the downfield passing game seems to be there because that's, in a way, Richardson's, comfortable in throwing the ball down the field and, and, and letting it loose. Uh, and if you're not fully, if you're not fully caught up with the playbook uh, as Richardson is, then a lot of times you out there play a little more free. You let your athleticism take over and I got a strong arm. I'm going to chuck it down the field. And, you know, look now he also made that heck of a, uh, when he's scrambling and made that throw to Copeland down the field, uh, that's more about playmaking playmaking ability more so than reading the play and, and, and making a timing uh, timing throw. And all. That's just a good athlete making a play, pressure in his face. Uh, that's what he brings to the table. Uh, but you know, I can say I can see where Mullen would say, "All right, I don't need that a whole lot." And it is a little more conservative uh, in, in as far as uh, controlling the game with Richardson's legs uh, more so than his arm, and that can be considered conservative. Thanks, Dave. Go Gators. Go Gators, man. All right. Uh, Zach wants to get back in here. Hey, Zach. Not to unmute your mic. There we go. Uh, don't hear you, so I'm not sure uh, what's going on there. But anybody else wants to get in here? Come on right ahead. I'll stay on for a few more minutes. Get this thing going. Day before Father Vanderbilt. Uh, if you missed it yesterday, a uh, big announcement with the Gator Collective. I'm going to be ambassador for those guys. So, you know, there we go. Make you make you donations there for current Gator student athlete, future Gator student athletes. Uh, you can go on the Twitter timeline there. There's some links there for you to, to click there. But, uh, you know, going to do uh, – got some big things coming up with those guys to get – I know there's a lot of questions out there about the Gator Collective and – what it stands for, where the funds go, how it all works. We've got something in the works in the next couple of weeks uh, to maybe clear the air uh, a little bit of all the questions that are still out there uh, about the Gator Collective, how it works, who's behind it, and, and all that good stuff. So be on the lookout for that uh, there. But, of course, I know a lot of you have already signed up uh, there to support the current student athletes, for future student athletes for the Gators. Uh, but look, you go sign up, you get all kind of exclusive interviews, exclusive content there from those guys. I hope you get more involved on that side of it as well. Uh, but right now, yeah, that's the best way with name, image, and likeness out there. If you want the best for Florida, that's the best way to do it uh, for the student athletes currently there. So let's get that thing going. Let's get that thing ramped up, uh, make it an example uh, for future Gators. Uh, and uh, we'll, uh, well, we'll all get together. We'll all be Gators together uh, and getting uh, the, the best name, image, and likeness deal out there as far as uh, you know, fan led. So let's get that go- let's get that thing going. Uh, but like I said, in a couple of weeks, we'll have something to maybe clear the air, get all your questions answered. I know there's still a lot of questions about it, 
uh, out there, and that's uh, one one reason I wanted to, uh, to get more involved. I had to get through a lot of clearance with the TV station. That's why it kind of took so long uh, there with, with with the Gator Collective. But we're all good, ready to go, and uh, we'll get the, the the best message out there we possibly can uh, for uh, current and future Gator student athletes. But big announcement! Be uh, very 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 proud to be uh, in partnership with the Gator Collective and uh, getting the best out there for Gator fans. All right. Anybody else wants to get in here and uh, extend the conversation just a little bit? If not, there we go. Nope. Get Dimitri in here. Dimitri, man, thank you. Uh, there you go. Good morning. Hey, man, how are you? Oh man, still hurt, man. Still hurt. But I'm, trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, trying to limp through the week, man. Yeah. Week. But man, you know, I know everybody expecting us to go out and just, you know, dog walk Vanderbilt, man. But I really want to. I just really want to see how the how he keeps, how he keep the rest of the team for the rest of the year. You know what I'm saying? How to keep, you know, progressing guys and getting guys in there that. You know, giving guys chances like uh, Fraser. You know, that was nice. Scent. Yeah. Touchdown. You know, and you know, I just want to just hopefully that he can start getting these younger guys on this defense in, man. Like, hey, giving them a chance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I know. Like I said, I know we all wanted to see more Hopper. He, he got some play, you know, more playing time versus Kentucky last week, and I mentioned this week too. You know, to get him on the field more. Uh, in run-friendly scenarios, look, I know college football now is a lot of four or five receivers spread teams out. Uh, maybe there's still some opportunities to build some three linebackers on the field, so I wouldn't mind seeing Moon, Hopper, Diabate all out there together if the situation calls for it, uh, whether that be a 4-3, whether it be 3-3-5. Three, three, you know, we'll, we'll see in, in different ways. I think Florida can get a third linebacker on the field. I know that's not Todd Grantham's MO, but look, we've said plenty of times Dan Mullen adjusts the best of his talent a lot of the times. You know, let's see uh, Todd Grantham be able to do it at, at, at times as well. So I think if you want to look for some adjustments in this defense, that's one place you can look. Um, we'll see. I know a lot of people want to point at Derek Lingo as well. Yeah, this is a game I think Vanderbilt, you see, uh, one black. see a lot of playing time. Not to catch you off. The one black. Man, I, I really want to see this kid out there, man. Like, from watching his Junko film and, you know, just following him, you know, because, you know, he's a special kid, man. He stuck with us, man, and, and he, he was dedicated to us, man. Like, I really would love to see him, like, because he makes – he. I mean, he's a great tackler, man. Like, you can see that on special teams. Yeah, you know, and we'll, we'll see. Hopefully the, the staff doesn't penalize him too much for that penalty last week. So, yeah, <laughs> You know how you know how this staff goes uh, as far as that regard. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, last year we, we called for more accountability after uh, a shoe toss and, and and things like that. But hopefully, for certain players, you know, that are trying to make their way into the starting roles or trying to get more playing time, they don't get penalized too much uh, for, for for penalties like that from for, from week to week. So yeah, the one black's another one. Uh, I think you know these. I think these safeties too. You know, we want to see some more reps there. Uh, for Torrance and and and, and McDaniel, uh, those guys at safety, uh, like what Torrance brings to the table most of the time there, as far as not let the big play happen behind him. Uh, but a lot of these guys can get better breaking down the play in front of them, helping make you know helping make tackles uh, there. For, you know the, the screenplay last week, for example, versus Kentucky, uh, Trading's in position to make the tackle, uh, but you know this just doesn't just doesn't do it. So you know the little things that you know, you can work on versus Vanderbilt, and a lot of it getting some younger players out there as well. Go Gators, man. Thank you for your service. Go Gators. Thanks, man. That's another thing, too. You have young players on the offensive side of the ball. Do we uh, finally get to see uh, DeMarcus Bowman, Lindsey Lingard get carries uh, in an SEC game? Uh, We haven't seen that uh, since uh, the Alabama games kicked off SEC play. Uh, We'll see if we see those guys a bit more. I would expect to, uh, of course. But uh, mostly just because it's going to look like the first couple games uh, where where you start getting you guys in. Um, in the rotation. Hey, one more thing. One more thing, man. What is yeah, our, man. What is our chances of getting uh, Stewart, man, the receiver, man? Uh, I still say pretty good. I know there's a lot of Texas flirting uh, that's out there right now. Uh, 
hopefully the Evers come up big in, in that regard. I know they've been to Gainesville as well. Evers Stewart, his family, I think his dad, uh, they loved Gainesville, spoke very highly of it. Uh, that's just one far as going to have to. And I'm not breaking any news here or anything, or, or and, I, and I'm stating the obvious, we're going to have to just stay on top of him. Uh, you know, to, to to show him that Gator love and and to make sure uh, there that you know you do everything you possibly can to make sure he ends up in Gainesville. So I still say favorable for the Gators right now. Uh, like if he was to pick right now, I think Florida would be the pick. Uh, but you know we've seen uh, in the past where uh, you start uh, you're you're in really really good shape. A guy would pick Florida on a certain day, and then it fades away the closer you get to signing day. Yeah, Florida's that that's just one you you want to keep an eye on to make sure Florida just stays on top of him uh and, and can sell uh the future. Uh the, the biggest feature for him is is working with a quarterback that he knows so well. Uh and pointing to you know, the receivers you see in the NFL right now from from, from Florida. Those are the, the two things you can point to and hopefully uh you know Dan Mullen and company keep it on him. All right, Ali or I think you're in here. Dave. Hey, man. Hey, hey, can you hear me? I got you loud and clear. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, good morning, everyone um, on the panel. Uh, definitely appreciate you doing this. Um, I just happened to think of some days, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think that um, one of the biggest issues, um, we're playing up and down, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, it kind of comes from last year. I'm not bringing up the COVID, but not the players getting the time to actually play. A lot of the young guys, this is the time that they're actually, when they're getting on the field, they're actually yeah. just playing now. So they're having hiccups. Things are kind of up and down. And as you said, with the kind of with the quarterback situation, I think both of the guys really aren't ready 100%. I know we say that Emory, yeah, he's been at the program. program. It's all about playing and getting reps. If you're not getting enough reps, this includes Anthony. If we're just not getting enough reps for the guys, I don't know how much better a guy can get if you're not getting those constant reps. If we're going to go from Emory, then we just leave Emory go, and we go to Anthony. But we, we need to do one thing and just stick to it. I think everyone's getting a little frustrated. I get that um, that we lost to Kentucky, but um, I kind of see it as um, some of the just biggest mistakes that we're making is just from guys learning on the job. I, I, really, I really just see that, and I don't see how some of the fan base can't see that, you know. I understand that, you know, that we have this standard, we have this, and we do have that. Yes, but at the same time, as as we do as um, people, we have to learn on the job and learn how things go. You know, the guys at safety, uh, with Torrance, and um, some of the guys even at the uh, nickel and the star position, it's just very tough to play when you're not used to getting those reps. Um, I know I'm kind of rambling on and on about that, but I really, really think that that truly is the issue. And it started last year with the COVID with a not, a, not, not enough for the young guys getting enough time to get some reps. I, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I think you, that, that holds some truth. Uh, I do know a lot of people who were, you know, they want to get up in the, in the games you're able to get up in, and then you, you bring in your your second, third string guys later in games to get them a whole lot of reps there. Uh, I also think that comes up, and I, and I hate to keep harping on it. I haven't harped on it a whole lot, but I think recruiting goes into that too. I mean, how – Iron sharpens iron, and sometimes that can happen in practice, and that can happen in practice too. So, if you're practicing against other four-star, other five-star players, that's that's what's going to make you better uh, in practice reps as well, you know. And uh, the guys want competition, you know. You guys and um, sit there if you if you're in practice and you have four, you know, highly rated four-star, highly rated five-star in practice that has to develop as well. You know, you're developing against each other, and a lot of those guys, if you if you keep that level up you know those guys are getting those guys are highly rated recruits getting developed at the same time instead of being forced out there look Dan Mullen doesn't force guys out there anyway but before they're ready as I said you know true freshmen don't really come in a whole lot and and make an impact uh so far uh for, for Dan Mullen at Florida uh, but you know I think in, in practice the reps there are so important too uh, and you'd rather be practicing against uh you know better, better competition in practice as well uh how, however often that happens but going to your um uh, Go into your scenario just a bit more. Absolutely. You, you want to see him in games a bit. Uh, like I said, I am kind of surprised. You, you can't argue with too much with how the run game has worked this year, but I am surprised a bit that you haven't seen Bowman or Lingard in some sort of package or uh, a couple plays here or there. Uh, and But it goes 
you get you, you talk about playing up and down the competition uh and that especially last year in 2020 didn't allow Florida to I guess feel comfortable enough to go get in the situations of putting Emory Jones in in a, in a fourth quarter letting him have it to himself uh some of the backup offensive linemen as well and we're starting to see that come around a bit more but mostly because of necessity and, and guys getting hurt uh up front and and needing guys to fill in uh but we saw it the first couple games of the season, you did see it. They rotated a lot, of, especially on defense. I rotated a lot of guys uh, on defense, and that's contributed to giving some of the yards away, some of the points away. Uh, and hopefully that comes around. Hopefully you start seeing that pay its dividend now that we're close to halfway in the season. Uh, there's enough tape out there, enough film out there that, you know, those guys are now going to go play with the ones a, a little bit when somebody goes out, somebody goes down. You can go fill in for those guys and, and have some comfortability back there. Uh, some younger guys being able to take the playing time they got from the first couple games this season, hopefully the, tomorrow versus Vanderbilt as well. And if you need those guys versus LSU, Georgia, South Carolina, Missouri, FSU, that you, you, there's enough tape out there now that you can go count on it. And you're right, you didn't get that last year. You did not get that a whole lot. Uh, with this Gator team. And look, uh, kind of going back to the, the previous point, too, um, where did Frazier stuff come from last week? You know, we haven't seen Frazier's – we've seen barely on the field at all this year. They identified something to, to have him out there early uh, versus Kentucky last week. So, you know, there's a good job of getting a younger player out there, getting his feet wet, letting him make a play. Because that, that screen pass, that screen play, touchdown to him, right. that was that was mostly all him. That was him making a play uh, Absolutely. Uh, uh, out there. So – there's there's guys out there proving themselves uh, when 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 the when the spotlight's on them as well. Absolutely, and, th- and just one more quick point that kind of goes to that. Um, I almost hate to say this too. Um, we kind of almost expect Dan to be who he's not, and I really truly think one of Dan's biggest things that that, um, that he has is almost a downfall too. He's a great teacher. Yep. He likes to yeah, he likes to teach. He likes to scheme. He likes to do this and that. And when when you um, basically when a player pass when the player passes his test, that's when he's ready to go and go. And until that point, it's like okay, yeah, he's he's great now to B level. He's great now to C level. He's great now to B to C to D level. He's not at a B or A level. I don't trust him enough to put him on the field. That's where I think we have one of our biggest issues. It's it's not a um it's not a thing that players can't play, but if Dan doesn't trust them to go run the right route or as far as mm-hmm. with AR or any of the uh, or Bowman or the uh, Lingard and all these things like that, if he doesn't trust it as much as we want to fan, I get where everybody's frustration comes in that. If if we were at work and we didn't trust something, we may not do it as well. So that kind of is a come and go, and I get the point that it's kind of frustrating for everybody. But when your coach is a teacher, he's gonna stick to that. That's just part of his program, and we gotta kind of either learn to live with that, or I hate to say it, we're gonna have to just wait till it runs its course. That that's kind of just how it kind of goes. I don't want to waste everybody else's time, and um, I do wish everybody else a great morning. And I'll let somebody else get on, and if you could um, answer part of the question as well, Dave. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, that that that's part of that is that is the way Dan Bowling coaches, uh, and it is as I even said uh, in those out in those uh, games where you know you're better than better than the opponent. Dan Mullen likes to tinker. Uh, whether you believe him or not, you know, he, he did say last week, and this was going into Kentucky game, but on his radio show, and this is, this is the example that you're kind of bringing up there. He goes, versus South Florida, look, I put Henry Jones in situations. I want to see how he responded. I wanted to see how he responded to this certain coverage. I want to see how he responded to this certain scenario, a certain situation. And that you're right. That is how he is, and that extends to the practice field. That extends to playing time. That extends kind of going to a lot of the Emory Anthony Richardson talk that we've had so far this morning, and the the running backs, the Lingard and Bowman. Uh, there, yeah. If if you're not ready, and it is a strength of Dan Mullen. That's one reason he's known as a good developer. Uh, but it could be considered a downfall as well that he's not going to put out put guys out there before they're ready. Uh, and you know, we'll, we'll I I don't know if that's something he changes. I don't know if that's something he adapts to. I don't know if he even should adapt to it. If he doesn't trust a guy to be out there, do you want them one to put him out there? I guess that's the, that's the question. I guess. Your, your 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 question is: Do you trust Dan Mullen in that situation? That that's that is the question, and only sure. everybody, everybody's going to have their own answer for that one. Right. 
to kind of piggyback off that, I think Dan Mullen actually got his degree in education. <laughs> so there we go. Um, but yeah, it is. You got to take uh, got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Uh, and however, people would define good and bad in that situation. Stink, what's up, man? Oh, hey, man, what's going on, D? Man, y'all got me at work listening, to y'all. I got a question <laughs> for you. What's up, man? How you go develop transfer one year transfer? Because mostly his best players have been transferred coming in. So this is why I always talk about recruiting. They need to recruit better and get three to four-year players. But you bring these players in for one year and starting them, then they leave. Then you bring in more transfer for a year, starting them, they leave. Man, that's nine, eight, nine, ten wins every year. There's no playoff championship team coming from that. So I said from day one, MSU, Mississippi State, in the East, and that's where it go be until they start recruiting. Hey, you, you preach it to the choir a little bit, man. You know, we've we've been on that train uh, a bit together. And look, and I, and, yep. and I got the transfer portal stuff to begin with. Like 2018, 2019, you're trying to build your program. You need to fill some holes. Uh, it was the complete right move. I just don't think it needs to be the fall. It, it needs to be the fallback. It doesn't need to be the place. Uh, and right now, we, we we know recruiting needs to get better. Uh, we beat the dead horse there. Uh, but as far yeah. as your you know, as far as your situation and talking about the process, you're right. I don't I don't think you can, or at least it's not sustainable. At least it's not consistent on a championship level of. The transfer portal. Does it change the game? Absolutely. Is everybody doing it? Yes, but to the degree Florida's doing it, not necessarily mm-hmm. sure uh, that's sustainable for, for, for a championship on a consistent level. Look, I mean, Florida needed the, the transfers on the, on the defensive line. But as you said, you know, we're, you've recruited guys up front, you know, the Jalen Leeds of the world that haven't really exactly. contributed yet. So hopefully, hopefully they're getting developed because Valentino, Newkirk, Truesdale, those guys are going. Those guys are going exactly. this year, and you're you, you hope at least by bringing those transfers in this year, those guys are getting developed underneath them, and they can step in and play right away next year. But the thing is, with that DW, by the time they get developed, they got one year left. They got one year. You're right. So <laughs> That's why you got to recruit the, better. Bringing right, them for, at the, right. If they're developed at the level you want them to be developed at, then in a way, you hope it's only one year, and, and they're playing <laughs> at that level to go but you're right you're you're only getting the one year out of them now i'm not expecting that you know for those that, that especially those defensive line guys you know there's a lot to see uh behind dexter truesdale uh newkirk uh and, and valentino uh, before we can even put that label on anybody but i i definitely i definitely get where you're coming from there all right man let me get back to work all right man thanks man. all right last one in here get a quiz What's up, Gator Quiz? Uh, don't think your mic is working there. Can you hear me, Dave? Can you hear me? I, 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 you doing, Dave? Uh, listen, I agree with the hundred percent with you. Like I've always said, you and Will always uh, talk about recruiting and stuff. At the end of the day, great questions you gave at the other at the Kentucky press conference, but it's frustrating because he talks about thumb wrestling. He talks about all this competitive stuff. But yet we're losing in recruiting, you know, to Georgia, Alabama, LSU. So where is that competitive fire when it comes to recruiting? You know what I mean? It, it's like I always mention to people when I when I post on Twitter and other things, it's easier to develop a four and five star than it is a two or three. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I've always fell back on uh, as well in that regard. Look, is developing important? Absolutely. It's the most important aspect of, uh, of coaching out there besides, you know, your game day, your game day acumen. And Dan Mullen's, for the most part, pretty good there. Uh, but, you know, why make it harder on yourself? That, that's probably the best way to put it. Um, why I have to go develop the, the three stars to turn in? Why I have to take the time it takes uh, to develop, you know, especially along the offensive line? You know, there's there, very rarely is there an impact guy along, along the offensive line from starter that comes in right away. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I know it's hard. Uh, you, you don't expect a whole lot of offensive linemen to come in here and and and, and contribute right away. Uh, that mostly is a developmental position. 
but it can happen. We've seen it happen. We've seen it happen at Georgia. We've seen it happen in Alabama. And I know a lot of people get tired of the comparison of Alabama and Georgia uh, and, and their recruiting level, but that's your competition. But you got to face the reality. It is what it is. And I'm not asking you to recruit on the Alabama level. That's pretty that's, – that's pretty much not going to happen. But you know, you've got to find a way to still – the instant impact players. But the thing is, do I, do I trust Dan Mullen to, to play the instant impact player? I think that's another part of it, too. Yeah, yeah, you can get the five-star. Yeah, you can get the highly rated four-star. But are they going to play right away? Are they going to contribute right away? You know, would, uh, would Evan Neal have come in at Florida and played right away? He probably should have. But would we have trusted John Hennessy to throw him out there? Would we have trusted Dan Mullen to put him out there? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, consist- consistency says no. Uh what has actually happened says no, uh, but those are different type of players, different make difference maker type of players that I'm not sure we've we have on this roster for the most part. So maybe you get that type of recruit, and that's when we start seeing these early impact guys. But but that's a great point, Dave. Like you say about offensive line. Uh, look, in my opinion, I've told people, listen, I would love like a Phil Trotwine. Uh, Gator Gator legend, Gator national championship, and he's doing great things in, in Penn State. He's a recruiter plus a developer. Why uh, Hevesy has clearly said that he doesn't, he's not going to put a freshman out there, even if he's a great uh, player. So uh, what are we going to do next year? Look, a lot of these guys are gone. Uh, uh, Garage is gone. White's going to step up, Braun and stuff like that. But Delance is gone and so is Reese. So who the hell do we have after that? That's the question. Right, that is. Uh, that is, you know, we, we wanted about depth, and you've seen it at times this year when Florida has needed it. You've seen Braun come in. You've seen uh, Tarkin come in. Uh, but you know it's okay. You know, who's going to be behind those guys next year? And exactly. So that's uh, you know it's it's definitely worth bringing up. Uh, you know, we, when we talk about recruiting, it's pretty much beating a dead horse. From from you know, the people who listen to Gators Breakdown and stuff probably know you know that that's calmed down a little bit. It is what it is. We can't change it. Um, there's no use in beating a dead horse. Do we know it has to be better? Absolutely. Um, and during the season, that slow it down anyway, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about the 12 games uh, in the regular season Florida plays uh, there. But, of course, you know, you had Jamari Lyons commit this week for the Gators. Uh, we'll see what tight end Skinner does today. Um, worth keeping an eye on, I think. Uh, Alabama probably. The well, considering, considering Hawkins decommitted from you us, hope, who knows if Skinner takes a look at us. You hope that's a good sign. I mean, look, that's – I'm sure the decision's already made. You know, whatever Hawkins did probably is not going to play into his decision uh, either way. What, what, yeah. what you hope was it's the other way around. He maybe found out Skinner's coming along and, okay, I'll go to Stanford. But, you know, if it, if it was anybody but anybody but Stanford, I might feel better about that scenario. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. I just was told it's worth keeping an eye on today. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, like I said, my prediction would be Alabama. Uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but you know, just just worth keeping an eye on. Thank you, thank you, Dave, for all that you do. I love uh, Gators, uh, Gators breakdown, and you and Will continue the great work. Awesome, thank you, man. Thank you so much. All right, guys, thank that you. will do it here for this Spaces edition of Friday before Florida Vanderbilt. Everybody, thanks for joining in. Thanks for talking. Thanks for listening. Uh, be uh, if you're Gators Breakdown Plus member, we'll have uh, Florida Vandy post game right there. Right there from the press box, right before I leave the stadium, we'll do the uh, Discord post-game show on um, on Gators Breakdown Plus, of course, review show on Sunday as well, and Will and I get back together on Monday. Uh, Will, you need something to eat? Like I said, not really, not not really go throw ads on your face on these spaces, but try to help you out too. Five dollars off, twenty five dollars or more at Four Rivers. So if you're going to Gainesville, if you're in Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, Tallahassee areas. Trying to help you out here. You get some uh, discount on some barbecue, $5 off 25 at Four Rivers Smokehouse. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this Spaces edition of Gators Breakdown. Catch you guys later.